Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. But we want Brother Byfield um, to come and uh, give their presentation. We want him to have his liberty today and preach what God's put on his heart. Would you please give him a warm Calvary welcome? Praise the Lord, everyone. How many know that we serve a good God? The presence of the Lord that's in this place has come not only to make us feel good, but it's come to change us. Do you know that one, one encounter with the presence of the Lord can alter your life forever? And that's what we're in the midst of right now. I never want to take lightly what I feel. I love the presence of the Lord, but I know that when his presence is in the house, that he has come to change lives and do things in the hearts and the lives of people. What a good God we serve. What a God that honors his word, that says where praises are, he is right there in our midst. He inhabits, the word says, the praises of his people, and I'm so thankful for that. Amen. I feel that God has a word for someone here this morning. If you'll stand with me. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 13, verses 1. Thank you so much for all those that have been involved in allowing us to be here. Sister Prophet, thank you very much for, I told uh, Brother Henson last night, I said she sent me an email when I didn't even know I was supposed to be here. That she got me focused. That was good. Numbers, chapter 13. Let's begin reading at verse 25 for the sake of time here. I know I told you 13 verses 1. Let's start reading at verse number 25. The Bible says this, And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they told him, this is Moses, They said to him, We came unto the land whither thou sent us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. We saw the Amalekites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites. And they said, we saw the Canaanites. They dwell by the sea and by the coast of the Jordan. Verse 30 says, and Caleb still the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and behold and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. Verse 33, they say it again. Their doubt is on display again. And there we saw the giants and the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Doubt is a terrible thing. Doubt can consume you. I want to preach for a few moments this morning on something I have entitled, I Still Believe. Tell that to the person next to you. I still believe. I don't know what your situation is, but I still believe. Let's ask God to help us in these next few minutes. Lord, we need you. It's not by might or by power, but God, it is by, absolutely by your spirit. The words on these paper would not be effective, Lord God, without the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We already feel the presence of the Lord that's in this place. And we pray that you'll continue your work throughout the remainder of this service. Touch lives. 
As we sang about, I pray that miracles will take place. Jesus, we believe and we trust in you. We know that you're able and that you can do all things in the name of Jesus. Before you see to give somebody a high five and say, I still believe. And you may be seated. Some might have heard the name of a man called Eric Weinmayer. He's been in the news recently. But this man's claim to fame is that he is the first blind individual that climbed Mount Everest. And that is a feat within itself. You see, because Mount Everest for a long time has been considered an unclimbable mountain, the ultimate climbing challenge. The reason for that is because it has an elevation, as you see it on the screen, of some 29,000 feet. And so with that, climbing that mountain brings many challenges, many difficulties. Over close to 300 people have died trying to climb that mountain. People tell experts, tell us that there are still bodies being decomposed on that mountain as we speak because they're in places that they are not able to even rescue them. But a blind man made his way to the summit of that mountain. What an incredible task. As he made his way to the summit and as he was descending from the summit of Mount Everest, one of his team leaders turned to him and said this. He said, Eric, don't make Everest the greatest thing you ever do. He said, I was surprised by that because it was such an accomplishment for me. But my team leader challenged me and he says, don't make this, don't let this be the greatest thing that you ever do. Because of that challenge, he started a work and a movement and even a book that was called No Barriers. In other words, he says, because of this challenge and because I was able to accomplish this, I can see no barriers that's going to stop me from accomplishing anything else that I want to accomplish in my life. Anything else that I feel that I need to accomplish in my life. So he went on and he accomplished a lot more. He completed the seven summits. Those are the highest summits in each of the seven continents. He climbed each of those. And he went on to accomplish many other feats in his life. And this this movement that he, he founded called No Barriers. This is the target phrase and this is the tagline that keeps him and the rest of the people in that foundation going. Are you ready? The tagline says this. What's within you is stronger than what's in your way. The tagline says what's in you is stronger than what's in your way. In other words, they are saying we have the strength within us to overcome whatever it is that's in our way. 
the author of the book of John wrote something similar. And he said, little children, you have overcome because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. There is nothing that can come against the child of God that can conquer us. The Bible tells us that there is no weapon formed against us that shall prosper. We have got Jesus Christ living within us. While these men may be leaning on some inner strength or, or some inner power that's in them, I have better sense than that. I know that I can go only so far with what's in me. But when I begin to lean on Jesus Christ, all things become possible. I am able to be a conqueror. I'm able to be an overcomer because Christ is in me and he is the one that leads me and guides me. It is this God himself that asked the question. He says in Jeremiah 32, 27, he says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. He asked the question, is there anything too hard for me? Church, I pray that we get this in our minds, in our hearts, and it consumes us. We sing songs about it and we preach about it. But that will never matter until it becomes a part of our thought process and a part of our life. The thing that says there is nothing that's too hard for the Lord. I'm not talking this morning about thrill-seeking, but I'm talking about being consumed with kingdom business, being so kingdom-minded that you realize that the best that I have accomplished is not behind me, but the best that I'm going to accomplish in the kingdom of God is still before me. Because the Bible says, Behold, I shall do a new thing. God wants to do a new thing in every life and every heart. I stand here today before the Calvary Church with this beautiful building and some of the things Pastor Hinton was telling me about that you've accomplished in the building and the property that you have bought. I stand before you this morning to tell you your best days are not behind you. Those accomplishments are great and we can't sit there and get drunk on the success of yesterday. But we've got to realize that God has got so much more in front of us for us to accomplish. Oh, I know, I know that there are things that are going to try and come against us. It was Paul that said there is an open door. Yeah, yeah. But he said there are many adversaries. He acknowledged that the, oh, the door is open. But he said there are many adversaries. I don't come here this morning to sugarcoat anything to you. I've come here to tell you that your best days are ahead of you. But there's some mountains that you're going to have to climb. There's some giants that you're going to have to face. While this door is open before you, there's some things that you're going to have to face. But the God that you serve is able to take you to the next level. The God that you serve is able to do abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or think. Can I tell you, Calvary Church, I feel it in my spirit today. God is ready to do something among his people that the Bible says, I have not seen nor ear have heard. 
but God has revealed it to us through and by his spirit. And God has shown me today that he is getting ready to use not only the leadership of this church, but every man, woman, boy, and girl, he's about to use you to accomplish his task, his will. Do you feel in the Holy Ghost? Do you feel a witness in the Holy Ghost that God is ready to do? The children of Israel, you know the story about them. They were God's chosen people. God showed them himself in so many miraculous ways. In the book of Exodus, we read about them miraculously being delivered from Egypt, from Egyptian bondage. And as they are delivered from Egyptian bondage, we see the plagues that God sends to the Pharaoh and to Egypt. Every one of those children of Israel had to know that this was the hand of God. We were not delivered by anything that we did, but this was indeed the hand of God that delivered us from Egyptian bondage. They got to the Red Sea. They saw the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. They had to know this was God that did this. And so they get to the Red Sea and they start complaining and they start talking about the success of their past. They start talking about food and leeks and garlics that they used to have. Imagine God had done so much for them, but now they came to a standstill. And instead of looking forward, they were consumed with looking behind them. And God miraculously used Moses to part that Red Sea in front of them. And they went across, the Bible says, on dry ground. And they are headed to their promised land. This was what was told to them. That God is going to give you a land of promise. And all those miracles were shown before them. They knew it was God. And now here they are. It's time for them to go And dwell in the promised land that God has given them. It's time for us to dwell in what God has given us. It's time for us to take it. And Moses tells them in Deuteronomy 1 verses 6. He says, the Lord God spoke unto us and said, you've dwelt here long enough. God does not like status quo. He says, you've dwelt here long enough. He says, now turn and take your journey and go to the mountains. God told them, take the mountain where the Amorites are. God told them that their enemies were going to be there. He told them that, but that's, he said, the Amorites are going to be there. But in Deuteronomy 1 verses 8, in spite of all that, God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go in and possess the land. Regardless of who is there, regardless of what I told you, don't be concerned about that. Be concerned about the fact that I said go in and possess the land. So Moses tells them that. But something happens between Deuteronomy chapter 1 verses 8 and Deuteronomy 1 verses 21. Because now the people are talking to Moses. They're having a conversation. And listen to what this says. Deuteronomy 1 verses 21. The Lord thy God set the land before you, and he told you to go up and possess it, as he said to your fathers. Listen to this. Moses said, and you people, you people came to me, 
and gave me the idea of sending spies into the land. Now, there are many times in the word of God where God told his people to go spy out a land. But in this instant, it doesn't seem like that was the word of the Lord. In this instance, it seems God just said, go in and possess the land. But because they did not trust God enough, they came up with plan B. It's kind of a, a safe zone they had to be in. They came up with a plan for Moses and they said, Moses, I know what God said, but listen to what our plan is. Why don't we go ahead and send spies and spy out that land and see which way we must go up and how we must do and whatever we must do. And Moses said, the saying please me. Moses allowed the people to dictate what they wanted to do instead of hearing the voice of God. So he complied, and he sends the spies. The spies went into the land, and after 40 days they return, and they say this to Moses. They say, we went to the land, Moses, where you sent us. And they said, when we came back, here is the fruit of the land. I'm in Numbers chapter 13, verses 27. They said, Moses, we went to the land. Listen, it was their idea to go to the land. But now that they've been there and they saw the the land was flowing with milk and honey and they brought the fruit of it, but they saw the giants in the land. Now they said to Moses, we went to the land where you sent us. It wasn't their idea anymore. Now it was Moses' idea. And so they come back and they say, here, here is the fruit of the land. But in verse 13, Numbers 13, verses 28, the next word they said was the worst thing they could have ever uttered from their lips. They said the word, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. That word, nevertheless, was not only words that came out of their mouths. But it was a mindset. It was a thought process. It was a way of thinking. That word, nevertheless, when you say that word, even here in the Old Testament, it means that once you say the word, nevertheless, what comes before the word comes to an end. It's a cessation. It it ends. That thought that comes before, nevertheless, ceases to exist anymore. And now what you say after, nevertheless, that becomes your new reality. That becomes the thought that you dwell on. So these guys came back and they said, the land is flowing with milk and honey. Nevertheless, they stopped that thought process of the land flowing with milk and honey. Now after, nevertheless, they talked about the giants. So now they weren't thinking about the milk and the honey anymore. Now all they were thinking about the giants the power of never the less it's a mindset in the book of Luke chapter 5 Jesus is out on the boat with Peter Jesus has been teaching all night you think I preach long Jesus was teaching all night 
And he says to Peter, he says, launch out into the deep and cast your net on the side of the boat. Now, Peter could have said, Rabbi, we're fishermen. <laughs> we know how to fish. Isn't that sometimes what we tell God? God, I know my life. I, I, I got this, God. Peter could have said that. But he didn't say that. You know what Peter said in Luke 5, verses 5? He says, Master, we've toiled all night. And we have come up with nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word. The fact that they had toiled all night and came up with nothing. When he said, nevertheless, it was like he said, that doesn't matter. I'm not thinking about the fact that I got nothing anymore. The only thing that I'm thinking about now is that you said to me to cast my net. And the Bible said they cast their net out and they pulled up. They were not even able to hold. The net was not even to, able to hold the amount of fish that they took. Preacher, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say there's nothing wrong with telling God about your problems. There's nothing wrong with telling God what's going on in your life. But make sure you start out the sentence with the negative and then you put the nevertheless right in the middle of the sentence so that negative is not the thing that you're concentrating on anymore. And then at the end of that sentence, you say nevertheless God is able to do it. What they should have done was come back and say they're giants in the land. The sons of Annika there. The cities of every wall. Nevertheless, because you said go in, we are going to go in and possess the land. And that would have changed everything about this story. The Bible says that the carcasses of those that came back with a negative report, they died right there in the wilderness. They were never able to realize the promise that God had given to them. How many of us have our promises that lay dormant in the wilderness? Because we refuse to march forward in faith in what God has for us. God is about to pour out his spirit. There are going to be people. I come to a close as they could start playing. There's so much more for me to say, but time is against me. There are going to be people that are going to walk into this church. Yea, there are going to be people that are going to drive by this church. And because of the presence of the Lord, the Holy Ghost, and the powerful presence of the Lord, they're going to walk into this driveway and walk through those doors and say, what is it that I'm feeling when I'm going by this place. Is there anything too hard for God? Come on, Calvary. We have, we, we, we have achieved a lot. But we are about to achieve the supernatural, the miraculous. There are people that are going to walk in here. People that you work with. That their lives are falling apart. And they're going to walk into this place. You're going to talk to them at work. You're going to tell them your testimony about your God. You know, the mistake we make many times is that we're always trying to invite people to church. Come to my church. Let me tell you about my religion. Can I tell you that the world is oversaturated with religion and with church? They want to know about your Jesus. 
They want to know about your testimony. The next time you have the opportunity, instead of saying to that person, hear me, young people, instead of saying to those friends and maybe those coworkers, why don't you come to my church? Why don't you tell them, can I tell you about my testimony of how I was lost and how I'm found? Can I tell you how God delivered me? Can I tell you how God put my marriage back together? Can I tell you how God put my life back together? The best is yet to come. Not only for this church, but for the kingdom of God. God is about to pour out his spirit in a mighty way. Go ahead and say what you have to say to God. Make sure you say nevertheless. There's some people that have gotten some negative doctor reports. But you've got to say, I know what the doctor report says. Nevertheless, God said he's a healer. Someone in here is experiencing financial difficulty like you've never had before. I'm not asking you to ignore it. Acknowledge it to God. Tell him I'm experiencing experiencing the worst financial crisis in my life. Nevertheless, you said you are a provider. There's someone in here, your life seems to be falling apart. Oh, I know you come to church every Sunday and you have a beautiful smile. You're a beautiful congregation. You have beautiful smiles on your face, but inside you're falling apart. Hey, don't hide that from God. You shouldn't even be hiding it from your brothers and your sisters. But we, we, we know how to do We have learned how to do that. But one thing we can't learn how to do is hide that from God. We've got to go to God and be so transparent and say, God, I'm a mess. I'm a wreck. I keep falling in the same trap. I, I keep having the same problems. I keep having the same situation in my life. I don't know where to go. Nevertheless, you said that you are my refuge and my strength. You are a very present help in the time of trouble. What about your mountain, Calvary Church? What about your giants? Are you going to stand there and stand at the bottom of that mountain and look to the summit? And just wish that one day I'll reach what God has for me. But for right now, I don't see it as possible. Or are you going to just start moving forward and saying the steps of a righteous man, not gender, but mankind, is ordered of the Lord. And even though I can't see the next victory, even though the next mountain that stands before me seems insurmountable, nevertheless, God is able to do it. Close with this, Joshua. Moses has passed off the scene now. Now it's Joshua's people. There's another sea for them to cross. That's the Jordan River. 
they have successfully crossed that. And now they are ready to go into their promised land again. But this time, there's a city by the name of Jericho that's standing in front of them. The Bible called it a walled city. The Bible called it a fortified city. Now you start thinking about, huh? Ancestors never made this. They never made it here. Here's Jericho in front of us. Do we want to dwell on what they accomplished or what they didn't accomplish? Or are we about to move forward? You know what they said? They said, we look like grasshoppers to those giants, the people that went there before. You know why they said that? Because they were relying on their abilities. Yeah, when you're looking at yourself and you look at giants, of course you're no match for the giant. But when you look at the God within you, you realize the giant is no match for you. And so Joshua gets the people together and he says, we're going to take Jericho. And I'm sure Pastor Hinson, they're probably... There was probably some murmuring among them. They probably talked among themselves saying, we don't have the weaponry to get through that wall. In their minds, they were probably saying, how are we going to do this? Thinking they had to do it on their own. But it was never about their abilities. It was always about God. And so Joshua comes and he starts to tell them. And I'm sure they're ready to hear all the the charge of the army, the, the, the general of the army, he's about to tell them we're going to charge the wall. But no, he says something different. He says we're going to march around seven times. And on the seventh time, you're going to get your battering rams and you're going to knock the wall down. No. On the seventh time, on the seventh day, we're going to march around seven times. Then you're going to pull your swords out. It. No. On the seventh day, you're marching seven times. And on the seven times, we are going to blow the shofar. And we're going to bang things together, our pots. And we are going to shout praises unto God. Wait a minute. You mean we're not going in there by our strength? It's by our praise and by our shout? Yeah. You mean we're not going to get to the next level by our beautiful, our wonderful music and our, our great leaders and our great pastors? That helps, but no. You are going to the next level with faith in God and with a praise on your lips. And the praise says this. The world seems to be getting worse by the second. We seem to be in moral decay like never before. Nevertheless, we are going to praise our way into the victory that God is going to bring to this church and to your lives individually. Would you stand with me? I wish I could have communicated this 
in a better way to you. But I, I want you to know, every man, woman, boy, and girl here tonight, today, God has something more for you. I want you to think about for two seconds right now the greatest thing that you have accomplished in the kingdom of God. I want you to think about it. I want you to think about it. Think about that victory that you've had, that past victory, that past testimony that you could tell someone about that you're so eager to tell someone about. But then I want you to say this in your mind. God has got so much more. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Hallelujah. In fact, if there's a person in here today that you need a physical you need a miracle in your body. I want you to come down to the altar. I want God to show himself strong. I want him to show you that the past, he's got more for you, the future. Come on, do you trust God? We preach about it. We sing about it. We say the best is yet to come. Do we trust God? He's a miracle-working God. The greatest testimonies have not come out of this church yet. Is there anyone in the house that needs the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Evidenced by speaking with other tongues. Is there anyone in the house? This might be your first day in this church or you might be, it might have been going here for a while but God wants to fill you with his spirit. I make an appeal for you also. There's some that are coming, some of these young ones. Come stand right in the front. Is there anyone else? You say, I, I need the, the spirit of God living in my life. I want to take two more minutes to tell you something give you some instructions of what we're about to do. I'm going to call the rest of the congregation. As much room as we have here, if the rest of the congregation, those that are physically able, if you would come down and stand with these that need healing. I want you to come down. I want you to trust God and believe God. We, the first thing we're going to do is pray a prayer of repentance. Everyone in the house. And one of the things that we have to repent of is our doubts. And I want us to do that right now. Repent of all our sins. Hands lifted in the house. I want you to open your mouth and verbalize it. I know it, God can answer you in any way, but I want us to operating in a spirit of unity right now if you would open your mouth and verbalize it you could say things like God I'm sorry forgive me Lord Jesus forgive me for doubting 
Forgive my unbelief. Forgive all my sin. Cleanse me, Lord, and wash me, Jesus. Sanctify me, Lord. I don't want to be like this anymore. Search me, O oh God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Stand before you, Lord Jesus, asking you to cleanse and purge me. Hallelujah. 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 I want you to lift your hands. Listen to me. I want you to lift your hands. I'm going to pray for you. When I say in the name of Jesus, I want you to lift your voice and begin to say hallelujah. That's not a magical potion or magical words, but we're just going to operate in the spirit of unity right now. And that word hallelujah, you're going to say, God, I'm giving myself to you. Hear me today. Those that need the Holy Ghost, as you begin to do that, lift you lift your voice. Spirit of the Lord is going to come into your heart. Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You're going to begin speaking in a language that you have never learned before. I don't want you to be afraid of that, but I want you to receive that. Those of you that need healing in your body, as you begin to speak with other tongues, you are going to feel the presence of the Lord begin to operate in those parts of your body that need to be healed. And he's going to show you that there is nothing that is too hard for him. Right now, God, we come together, faith believing, honoring your word, and knowing that you are God of everything, that you all power belongs to you. And I bring every single need to you right now. Every need of salvation, every need of healing, every need of deliverance. I come right now, I bring it to the throne of grace. And I pray that you will descend in this place, Lord God, and touch every need right now. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.